This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 4, Episode 11. On this episode, we'll be talking about a recent failure we experienced in business, why it happened, what we've learned, and how we're moving forward instead of staying stuck dwelling on what went wrong. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. I'll start this off by saying this is probably the most humbling episode to date of the Artisan CEO podcast. Not not necessarily the most transparent, because I'm pretty transparent all the time, and I'm going to be really transparent with you in this episode, but I mean... I told you guys our story of infertility, so I'm, uh, I am I tend to be a pretty open book, but this is one of those ones that would have been more comfortable for me not to tell the story, to simply scrub the evidence of my failure from the internet, from our social media channels, and then just pretend it didn't happen. But I don't think that's helpful for you, uh, because as much wisdom as there is in businesses presenting a strong front for their audience, I am always encouraged when another high performer, somebody who maybe looks like they always have it all together from the outside, when they tell me, hey, I'm struggling. This thing did not go well. Uh, Because then I realize that my struggles and my failures are not an anomaly. They are not evidence that I, Abby Grace, am especially unqualified to be a small business owner or that like, you know, this is the end. Like you hit your peak and well, it's all downhill from here, you know? So instead of sweeping my own failure under the carpet, I am going to share it here so that the next time you encounter an especially challenging season or situation in your business, you do not have to sit and wonder why you're the only one who doesn't win 100% of the time because none of us do. This is the life of entrepreneurship. The highs are high and the lows can feel really low and they can also feel really personal, but it's not personal. It's just business. And the difference between someone who quits and someone who channels their inner Princess Poppy and gets back up again to fight another day is that the Princess Poppies of the world know that there is always something to learn from our failures so that those experiences are never wasted. Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brand session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely going to want to join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation and learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's going to leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class.
So for the last three calendar years now, I have allotted a place on our calendar for hosting a live workshop. Every year, you guys, I I talked about this back in uh, season four, episode seven, my year end planning process, how we pull out the calendar and we map out the entire next year. We do that in December. So for the last three Decembers, we've pulled out the calendar and I have put live workshop on the calendar. And 2024 was finally going to be the year that I was going to host a live in-person thing. We were going to make it happen because our last in-person workshop was in 2018 and that one wasn't even local. I uh, hosted a four-day photography retreat slash workshop in France with my best friend Catherine. Don't ask me how many times I have said, thank goodness we did that before the pandemic. And uh, then we took a break from in-person events for a few years as we started the adoption process and then became parents. I am an extroverted extrovert. I don't know if you could tell that from the podcast, but uh, I love being in the physical room with other humans. There is just something about the serendipity of in-person interactions, of the conversations that are sparked between classes and those late night, like pajama clad brainstorming sessions with a glass of Pinot Noir in hand. And I missed that. And so since I hadn't ever hosted an in-person event for brand photographers specifically, I had done several in-person workshops for wedding photographers, but since pivoting to brand photography and starting to teach brand photography, we hadn't hosted anything in real life for that particular audience. So I figured that the time had finally come to get real humans together in a real room for a real good time and some high quality education. We announced the workshop first to our Brand Photography Academy students. Uh, we actually told them during the year-end planning meeting that we host for our BPA students that this was coming. And then we made the official announcement via email to our BPA students. That's a list of 600, 650 photographers, something like that. And um, I was sure, I was so confident that that was going to fill up at least halfway before we then took the offer to our full list of 12,000 other photographers who have not yet enrolled in Brand Photography Academy. Well, we opened registration for our BPA students and hours went by without a single notification of a seat being filled. And that might sound dramatic to you, but I'm used to like launching as part of what we do. As educators, we launch and you're used to seeing sales rolling in. So I was at lunch with a friend and I kept sneaking peeks at my phone expecting at any minute to get a text message from Matt to the tune of, oh my goodness, wow, three new registrations and we're only 15 minutes in. But that did not happen. (laughs) The hours dragged on and on and I started to panic. What if I had completely misread the room? Well, then I comforted myself. Well, actually more like Matt comforted me with the thought because I tend to spiral and Matt's the voice of reason. So we comforted ourselves with the fact that we'd sent the email on a Friday and it was the Friday before New Year's no less. So people probably, you know, they probably weren't checking their emails as as obsessively. Things would trickle in. Don't sweat. But then they didn't trickle in. We had one more person register before the year turned over to 2024. So we had two total registrations in the first four days. And I was getting really nervous. Okay, well, we still hadn't announced it to our main list. We had only sent it to our BPA students. So let's send the offer there and then see what happens. We had a total of 12 spots available. And so far, like I said, two students. But we have a list of 12,000. So Well, it's like 12,500. So surely... There would be people on that list that were eager for in-person education, right? As it turns out, no. (laughs) Over the next couple of weeks, despite sharing on social media and adding in a sweet bonus offer of mini sessions for each of our each of our attendees, like I would photograph portraits for brand photos for each of our attendees um, if they registered by a certain date, 
in mid-January, we only had one more registration roll in. So after doing some logistics gymnastics of playing with the numbers to see if there was any way that we could scale the workshop, like could we offer a virtual ticket? Well, no, the whole angle was to encourage people to get in the physical room. By mid-January, we made the call to cancel the workshop. Honestly, I was really embarrassed. But then I remembered that it wasn't down to the numbers to determine the success of our efforts. It was up to me whether the experience was a failure or not. Nelson Mandela once said, I never lose. I either win or learn. And so the only way to truly lose here would be to chalk all the time that we spent planning, chalk that all up to one huge waste of time, and move on without looking for any of the gold amidst what felt like a pile of rubble. So that meant taking an honest and humbling look at where things went wrong and what we could do the next time to change them or what we could do moving forward to change them. Not just how does this relate to future in-person events, but like what do we do today with this information? So firstly, where did things go wrong? (laughs) Well, for starters, I did not do enough pre-launch research. I didn't pull any data from a larger pool. I created an offer for what I thought people wanted, not necessarily what they told me they wanted En masse. I thought that I had done enough by talking to my assistant and then by scheduling one singular research call with one of our favorite students. She was gracious enough to answer my questions about preference for format and size and price point and duration, all of that. And then I called it a day with input from two people and decided that their answers were good enough to represent the general interest of all 600 plus BPA students out there. My next mistake was ignoring warning signs from the economy. When COVID hit in 2020, obviously our wedding bookings were majorly affected, but our branding, like those bookings took off like a shot. Our agency work booked out faster than ever before, which I thought then meant that we were kind of recession proof. Add to that, we launched BPA in the spring of 2021 and ended up bringing in three times the number of students that we hoped for. And I thought, wow, this business model is fantastic. It looks like it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. People are still going to book brand shoots and buy courses. So what I didn't take into consideration, if you're laughing at me right now, it's okay. I'm laughing at myself too, internally, you know. But what I didn't take into consideration was that the workshop, which was priced at $3,200, the live in-person workshop that we were planning for this year, was priced at $3,200, and that is more than 10 times the cost of what Brand Photography Academy was during that first launch in 2021. There is a huge difference between asking someone to invest $300 on the pilot launch of your new course versus $3,200 on a three-day in-person workshop experience that they will also have to travel to. That's like comparing fresh apples to mango-flavored high chews, which are delicious, by the way. They're two completely different offers. So I expected the wild success of one offer, especially during a very unique time in our history, spring of 2021, we were still in the midst of COVID, very unique time. I I don't know that you can take that and apply that as a rule moving forward. So I expected our success in spring of 2021 to predict the success of another offer three years later when there are several new conflicts happening across the globe, when inflation is higher than it was three years ago, when the political climate has changed majorly during an election year. And then I was shocked when the results changed too. Mistake number three, I didn't realize that across the industry, most in-person events are not profitable. 
My coach told me that most people use in-person events to upsell attendees on another offer. Like how if you go to a conference, sometimes the conference hosts will pitch from the stage. Or how my coach herself had recently hosted an in-person retreat for a handful of people who use her software services. And then she finished off the event by pitching her mastermind, which is like exponentially more expensive. And that event for her was profitable because of the ones who signed up for the mastermind. But the profit from the event itself was very minor. The profit came from the people who took the upsell. But I didn't want to take that route. Firstly, because I've never seen that done at a photography workshop. Maybe I haven't been to enough photography workshops. Maybe that's the thing. I've personally never seen it done. And I thought that that would catch people off guard. And then secondly, I didn't want to do that because the workshop itself was expensive enough. I didn't want people to come and then feel pressured to spend even more if they had already felt stretched by that initial workshop investment. And I'm I'm not saying that pitching at live events is a bad thing. Matt actually attended um, an amazing summit last year, not summit, a workshop, um, in-person workshop last year in Nashville. And the host pitched at the end and he said it felt really organic. So I'm not saying it's wrong. It just didn't feel like the right call for this specific situation. And thirdly, I didn't have anything else to pitch at the workshop. (laughs) We don't have a mastermind. We don't have a coaching offer. And planning the workshop was going to be enough of a task without needing to then invent a new offer to sell just for the sake of making both the workshop and the secondary offer profitable. And then when you factor in that we have maternity leave starting in June, I knew that taking on some kind of long-term engagement was not going to be realistic at this point. To be honest with you, our France workshops, those were not super profitable either. Catherine, my co-host, and I, we each took home about $4,500 a piece in profit for both the 2017 and the 2018 workshops. That is $4,500 to pay us back for months of planning. I mean, we started planning in December and the workshops weren't until July. And then that also accounted for the full week away from our businesses as we hosted the workshops and not to mention the time that it took to recover afterwards because as much fun as those workshops were, they and they were so much fun. Oh my gosh, they were so much fun. But they were also exhausting. I don't, I don't regret the time that we spent on those workshops, not for a minute, but... I knew that if we were going to do something in person again, it had to yield a higher profit margin for the amount of time and the bandwidth that those events take up. So those were our biggest mistakes. Now for our biggest takeaways. The next time I want to create a new offer, I need to pull from a larger sample group. We've talked about this on the podcast before about how important it is to ensure that there is actual demand for an offer before you launch it into the world. And I pulled from a very very small sample size. (laughs) I actually didn't even look for opportunities for people to tell me, "Hmm, I'm not really interested in that, I'll probably pass. So I was operating purely from a place of confirmation bias. This experience reminded me of the importance of soliciting feedback. Some of our best ideas for new content for our students have come from the end of course Brand Photography Academy feedback forms. Our latest course that we launched last spring, Lighting the Brand Session, that came about purely because people were asking for more help with lighting in the BPA feedback. The posing elective that we added to BPA, again, that came from the feedback form. And I had become complacent about soliciting feedback because I thought I'd heard it all. And now I'm realizing how crucial it is to make sure that we're only creating products and services that meet existing needs instead of creating a solution and running around in search of a problem that it could solve. 
Second lesson learned is a bit of a dovetail from the first one, but don't create an offer in response just to what you would buy. You are not necessarily your own ideal customer. So I love in-person activities, and I felt like it was high time that we all got off our laptops and got into an actual classroom. I feel very strongly about that, and that's okay. But as it turns out, the rest of our audience doesn't necessarily agree, or maybe they don't agree as emphatically with me as I would. Online courses are truly convenient. You can rewatch those anytime you like. They do not require a travel budget on top of the cost of admission. And you can pause the lesson whenever your kid, I don't know, spills tacos all over his lap without missing the crucial information that you've paid for. As valuable as in-person experiences are, at the price point that we decided for the workshop, our audience responded by not registering that it simply didn't hold that much value for them and that is okay. It's okay on both sides. I still believe in in in-person events, so I will continue to prioritize those for myself, but I have to recognize that if our audience is able to be wooed into an in-person event, it's probably not gonna be for the price that I would be willing to pay for the same experience. So we'll need to tweak any future plans accordingly because it doesn't matter how good an offer is if you've placed it out of reach of your target audience. All right, so if you've seen the kids' show Bluey, it's a favorite in our house. If you have kids and you haven't watched Bluey, please do yourself a favor. The episodes are like seven and a half minutes long. They're awesome. But there's this episode where the mom, Chili, she is teaching her kids how to move on when something sad or frustrating happens. And her checklist is, one, have a cry, two, pick myself up, three, dust myself off, and four, keep going, the show must go on. I did not do this. (laughs) I did not follow Chili's instructions. Instead, I sat around and I stewed about it. And as a result, I lost days of productivity. And I don't mean that I sat on the couch for days with a tub of ice cream or anything. I did do that at night sometimes. But to be fair, I'm pregnant. And um, I also did that before I got pregnant. So that wasn't really like a despair kind of thing. That's just like Abby really likes sugar kind of situation. But um, I was distracted and frustrated and I felt stymied for days. The launch and then the resulting need to switch up tacts, that ate up way more time and bandwidth than it should have because I was so frustrated by the failure and I felt like I couldn't move forward until I had the perfect solution that was guaranteed to succeed. But sometimes the best action we can take is to simply do the next right thing. We may not know exactly how a situation is going to play out. And so our responsibility is to take one step and then take another. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But the thing about lamps when we're talking about biblical era is it's not like a floodlight. It's a like an oil lamp. And I'm guessing that that oil lamp only throws light for its holder, like probably to maybe 24 inches in front of it. If it's a big lamp, maybe 36 inches in front of it, 36 inches behind, it's not enough to light the entire runway. So if God's word is a lamp into our feet, we can trust that if we step forward, then the next step will be illuminated as we take action on the first one. So we don't always need to have the whole plan in front of us in order to keep going. Sometimes we just have to take the next step and trust that the one after that will be illuminated in its time, in in time for us to take that secondary step. Ruminating on the issue, on the lack of success, is only going to drive you into a spiral of despair and nothing productive happens there. You know how many seats there are available at a pity party? One. It's just you. Which means that when we give into the spiral and we choose to dwell in pity party mode, there is nobody sitting next to you to lift your chin. So we have to get up, walk out of the pity party, and keep walking because the show must go on. So in that spirit, 
what is the next step? After clearing our calendars for that week that we had allotted for the workshop in March, I actually I still need to do that on my physical calendar, uh, but after clearing the calendar, what is the next right thing? Well, I have been meaning to create an ongoing marketing sequence for BPA for about two years now, and I've been putting it off because I never seemed to have the time. Well, now I do. In the past, our students have found BPA via maybe an active launch period, like a, like a sale, the once a year sale that we run, through the ads or mentions on this podcast, and then through personal referrals. Like, hey, I'm looking to learn about brand photography, whose course should I take, and a bunch of people tag, oh, Abby Grace's course, Brand Photography Academy, you have to take it. That's typically the three ways that people find us. But if someone misses a launch period and they're not a podcast listener, then they have probably never heard of Brand Photography Academy. So... Now that we've got the time, we're going to work on getting BPA onto an evergreen marketing sequence. It is available year-round in our shop, and it's hands down the best course for people looking to shoot their best brand session by next week. And so I want more people to know about it. And I don't want them to have to wait for a Facebook ad during our once-a-year launch in order for them to up their game and blow their next brand client away. We're also working hard over here on a couple of new ideas that I'm really excited about. Matt's got something cooking that you'll probably hear about sometime soon. So after getting BPA on Evergreen, our next step is to work on a couple of smaller offers. With the shape of the economy right now, people are just plain freaked out about spending large sums of money. We are seeing this across the industry. So then our question becomes, how can we help in smaller, more accessible and bite-sized ways? Instead of, let's say, a $1,500 course that hands you the complete roadmap for a brand photography business, what if instead we focused on solving smaller problems like helping people tighten up their client workflow or helping brand photographers grasp a deeper understanding of brand theory so that they can refine both their own brand and help their clients better articulate and translate their messages into their photographs? If a larger investment is gonna be put on hold right now, how can we still serve our audience in ways that will help them grow their business but it's not gonna break the bank for them? If you're a brand photographer who's seen your bookings drop off over the last year, maybe your clients are hesitant to book a half or a full day collection because the investment just seems too big right now, maybe you come up with a smaller offer, like a 30 to 45 minute band-aid shoot that's gonna help get them through until their next larger session, or, or maybe a quarter day session of an hour and a half. You could experiment with mini sessions or at-home product shoots, something that cuts the investment down for your clients without cheapening your services as a whole. I have talked about this with my list. I do this every right before every Black Friday. We do not discount our services. Like if your services normally cost, let's say $1,500 for a quarter day shoot, do not discount that down to $750 because now you're making half the profit for the same amount of work. But could you create smaller packages? Could you create a smaller container that, that will require less work, but that is a more accessible price point for your client? So how can you still deliver high quality results but on a smaller scale or in less time. Finally, another next step for us is getting back into the rhythm of asking for feedback from our students. Our best next step ideas for add-ons to BPA, as well as the idea for our last course launch, that came directly from aggregated feedback from our students. Creating products in a vacuum is never a good idea. Seth Godin says that is like fashioning a key and then running around trying to see if you can find a door that it'll unlock instead of beginning with a locked door and creating a key to perfectly fit. And you know, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing this is very easily something like asking for feedback is very easily something we could do tomorrow. We have a feedback form somewhere in our archives that we've sent out to our list before and that would be really easy 
to get that updated and get it out the door as sent to our list. See, this is what I do. I overcomplicate things. And that is why it can take me so long to move because I feel like I need to have steps one through 25 perfectly defined before making any moves. But the reality of the situation is, is that movement often creates momentum. And by acting, your plan will probably shift in response to the feedback that you're receiving as you go, which would then null and void. Like you, you take step one and it changes the trajectory of whatever it is that you're doing. And now steps two through 25 are a moot point because you don't need them anymore because the plan has changed. So don't wait until you have the perfect plan. Overanalyzing, that's just another form of perfectionism. And perfectionism can go hand in hand with procrastination. And I don't care how good my excuses are for why I've procrastinated, if the result is that the work is still undone and people's lives are still left unchanged because I couldn't get out of my own head and just do the next right thing. If it's the wrong step, then we'll try again. And we'll try again and again. This is the nature of small business ownership. It's called iteration, getting back up and trying once more. Dusting yourself off again and again because the alternative is to work for somebody else on their terms. And I don't care how many times I have to fall off and get back on the horse if it means that at the end of the day, I'm still the one calling the shots. Small business is hard. The highs are high and the lows are really low. But I'll still choose this life over a nine to five cubicle view 10 times out of 10. It's a tough road, but this is a road that's worth following if you know that it's where you've been called. If this episode lifted your chin today or maybe made you feel less alone about a quote unquote failure that you've experienced, I would truly love to hear from you. Drop me a DM over on Instagram at Abby Grace Photo. Even though everyone else looks like they've got it all together, I promise you beneath the surface, we all have stories like today's episode. You are not alone if you have a canceled workshop type story of your own. Coming up in the next episode, we'll be talking about an unusual topic, donor breast milk, and what it taught me about marketing a small business. That's going to be a fun one. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?